So imagine if your team were prepared for those situations where things go wrong. Imagine if your team knew what to do and knew how to operate and knew what the principles were that were important to you and your organization so that they could deliver consistently and know what to do when things are outside of that box as well. What would that mean to you and your organization and how valuable could that be to you? Hi, and welcome to Helping You Perform. I'm your host, Paul Teasdale. Over a career working with high-performing teams from across the globe, including seven years working with Formula One team McLaren, I've learned a lot about what it takes to drive results. In this weekly podcast series, I'm going to be bringing you tips, tricks and insights from the world of Formula One that you can apply for your organisation for your own high performance. Enjoy. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode nine of the Helping You Perform podcast series. In episode eight, I covered off D for data in the rapid performance framework. Over the last few weeks, I've been going into detail of each of those five segments of rapid. So remember, those are results, actions, people, insights, and data. And last week, I was talking about the importance of getting the smallest possible data set and the advantages that that can bring you. If you want to find out more about the rapid performance framework, go back to those previous episodes and or go to my website at paulteasdale.co.uk and you'll find out loads of information. And as always, drop me a message, contact me, set up that free half hour chat, and we can talk about what that means to you and your organization in more detail. Now in episode nine today, I wanna to talk about the topic of teamwork. And in particular, one of the conversations that people always wanna have and one of those topics is about the pit stop. It's almost the epitome of teamwork coming into action. Now, what you've got in a pit stop is you've got about 12 people coming together to change the four tires on a car, maybe more, but the standard is to change the four tires on the car in about just over two seconds. Now, if you think about what it means to get to that stage where you've got that consistently delivered as a team, it doesn't come by accident and it's hours and hours of practice. And that's one of the elements of teamwork It's how do you set your team up to know what they're doing and practice what they're doing and be clear about their role in the overall picture. Now, there's a lot of stories to be told around the pit stop and the journey that the pit stop has, uh, has gone on over the years. It was only um, in around 2008, 2009, I believe, when the rules changed so that you weren't allowed to refuel anymore, that the pit stop became so uh, important in the, in the whole picture. Now, previously, it has been important. And there's been advances over the years since the 1950s. And, and, and if you see some old videos of 1950s pit stops where they're talking about it's only been 60 odd seconds uh, and they've managed to change the tires. In the meantime, the drivers had a little cup of tea. Uh, they've wiped the, um, the visor down. They've done all sorts of bits and pieces. And that was seen as best practice in those days. These days, best practice is actually under two seconds. And there's been lots of advantages, lots of technological advances that have allowed that to happen. 
But one of the key things that allow it to happen and allow it to happen consistently is about teamwork. So the critical elements of a team working together like that is first and foremost, they need to know their role in the team. They need to know what you're looking to achieve, what that means to the team, and the, the sort of restrictions and the, the unwritten rules that sit within that team that allow them to know what to do when things go wrong. So one of the things when it comes to a quick pit stop, for instance, is do you want to aim for peak performance or robust performance or somewhere in between? Now, what I mean by peak performance is, do you want to get the best possible pit stop time that's ever ever been uh, delivered? I think um, if I'm right, either Williams or Red Bull hold this record at about 1.8 something seconds. Now, that's brilliant. If you pull it off, fantastic. You've got yourself a winning strategy. You've got some real advantage over your competition. The problem is, is that that is called, uh, it's called peak performance because there's a high probability of that peak being, um, of not being delivered, should we say. So something can go wrong. And when something goes wrong at those levels, it takes a long time to recover. So yes, you might hit that 1.8 odd seconds, but there's an equal possibility you might be talking about the five to eight second mark, and that can be disastrous in a race. So some teams, and certainly McLaren over the years when I was working there, talked more about robust and repeatable performance. Yes, you want it to be as good as possible, but there is equal, if not more, um, value put on the fact that that performance is repeatable. So you'd rather, if you had four pit stops in a race, two for each driver, for instance, you'd rather that each one of those was two and a half seconds or close, even close to three seconds, but two and a half seconds, say, but they were consistent. And that consistency gives you huge value. One, it gives your people confidence that what they're doing is repeatable. As a leader, it gives you confidence in knowing what you're going to achieve. If you're always delivering at that level, you've got confidence you can deliver at that level. And from an improvement perspective, it gives you a baseline to say, we're consistently delivering at this level now. If we make one or two changes in the right way, we can consistently creep that performance up. And that's the incremental improvement element. But it all comes down to how the team deliver. And the team are all involved in what their roles are. They talk about it a lot. They talk about my role as a uh, might be the front jack man, for instance, so the person who's standing in front of the car and jacking the car up, moving out the way and then jacking the car down and, and moving the jack out of the way uh, before the driver goes off. That's a crucial, a crucial role within that team, believe it or not. If you don't get that part right, the whole team can't perform. And that's another aspect that you've got to understand that your role in the team is only to be a, a, you know, is to lift the whole team up. A team is only as fast as its slowest player. And quite often we, what we would do in the McLaren world is we would have a demonstration car and we would get teams of people from our clients or from visitors and actually get them going through an exercise of changing um, Formula One tires. Uh, typically the car is already jacked up, we don't do the jacking up and down, but what we do is get people with the guns, uh, having a go at what it means to operate those guns, what it means to lift a tyre into place, move another one out of the way, 
all those sorts of things. And although they are relatively light, those tyres, in terms of what, how light they can be, they're still big and heavy and cumbersome. So you do need physical attributes that allow you to operate in, uh, in that environment. But ultimately, one of the things that always comes out of those exercises is that people become really competitive and go, I've changed my tyre quicker than everybody else. Isn't that brilliant? Well, not really, because the car wasn't changed in that time. The overall performance of that organisation, the car in this case, was only as quick as the slowest wheel. So you need to understand how do I perform and also lift the performance up of my team. And that's about consistency, it's about understanding, it's about clear, concise communication, and it's about providing those opportunities to practice. Now, recognizing that in the world of Formula One, you're only racing on the weekend. So you've got time during the week and during the off season to practice those things. Quite often, a lot of the organizations I work with say, well, we haven't got that time. We're a continuous operation and things are happening. But there are times for training and there are times for drills. And there are times, you know, you, you wouldn't say, I don't know um, uh, how we're going to perform from a fire drill perspective because we don't have time to perform fire drill um, uh, challenges and, 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 uh, and demonstrations so that our people know what to do. You've got to practice those things so that people understand what to do when the time comes. It's also about practicing for those situations where things aren't standard. So in the world of F1, that might be a nose cone needs replacing or your front wings being damaged. How are we going to adapt as a team? So this is about what we call sort of pre-mortems or pre-planning. Uh, in the world of um, the armed forces, they often call it action on. So action on a uh, broken wing, for instance, action on a nose cone replacement, as in what's the action we're going to take in the situation where a nose cone needs replacing. So you've pre-planned for those scenarios. Now, you've got to realize that in your organization that things are going to go wrong. No matter how well you've planned, things are going to go wrong. How are you planning your team to be prepared for those situations? And you can plan, yes, for the almost knowable situations and the repeatable ones and the ones that are relatively standard. So a nose cone is a, a good example of that. But there are going to be examples of things that, you know, something weird has happened. Some, uh, another car has had a part fly out in the middle of nowhere and it's hit your car and damaged in a way that you weren't necessarily prepared for. So this is where, from a team perspective, principles and, and modes of operation come into play. As a team, I'm giving you these guidelines to say the principle is safety first then it's about the powertrain and then it's about this so you actually give prioritize things so that people know where to go i read a great book about this the other day in the restaurant industry where it's about customer first then employees and then it's about shareholders and other things so you actually give people a known set of priorities and you talk about those so that people know when it comes to make a decision as a team and when it comes to enact that you've got those operating principles that are critical and they're known and they're practiced and they uh, become part of the language and that's another great way in which you can help a team perform is by making sure that the language is standardized and becomes part of the norm those little idioms of customer first uh, 
you know, whatever works in your organization, make sure that your team have those things in their day-to-day -day language and you look out for them. And you, as a leader, you are providing every possible situation to pick out great examples of that and to maybe correct one or two situations that aren't working in, al in alignment to those priorities. One final aspect and a little story from the world of, of pit stops that uh, I'll often bring in is that in order for your team to perform at their best, they need to be really good at what they do, but they also you, you can need to look outside the box in order to get um, sort of inspiration and ways of working in different sort of context and perspectives so that they can perform at their best as a team. Now, one of the ways in which uh, the McLaren team um, the story I've heard, I didn't witness this firsthand, but it's that they would get in people like the Royal Ballet and uh, in order to come in and say, right, as a dance team, when we need to move as one, this is how we do it and this is how we practice in the movements. Because there are alignments and there are um, uh, parallels between moving as a team when you're looking to change the tyres and moving as a team when you're a dancer and a dance troupe. And that comes down to what the individual does, but also how they react to those around them as well. So look for those opportunities for outside inspiration. How do you get your team thinking in a way that they can align to more of a team as opposed to a set of individuals? Sport is a, always a great sort of a demonstration of that. It doesn't necessarily hit home for every team, but if your team is going to respond to that, then use those sorts of analogies that help you build up the teamwork and the spirit that goes within that. So imagine if your team were prepared for those situations where things go wrong. Imagine if your team knew what to do and knew how to operate and knew what the principles were that were important to you and your organization so that they could deliver consistently and know what to do when things are outside of that box as well. What would that mean to you and your organization and how valuable could that be to you? So what I'd like you to do from here is start to think about that. How does your team operate? What are the things that are important to them? What are those basic principles that you can make sure are understood as a team? Look for the unwritten rules and the, the things that matter to you and start to pull out those good uh, examples of when things have gone right and name them as to why they've gone right. You made a great decision there because you put the customer first. And that's really important to us because, and that starts to become part of the language and part of the team so that the whole team knows what to do in those situations as well. So hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'll be talking more about different topics over the next few weeks. As always, do contact me if you've got any specific topics you'd like me to cover off. I do want to cover off things around communication, vulnerability, um, diversity in, in the teams and things like that. So please do get in touch. And as always, go to my website at paulteasdale.co.uk. Find out more about the rapid performance framework. But there's a, 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 one of the first things you'll see on there is the opportunity to set up a free, no obligation, 30 minute chat with me to talk about any of these aspects. If you want me to come in and talk to you one to one, if you want me to come and talk to your team, please get in touch and we can have that conversation. No obligation. I just want to know how I can add value back to you and your organization. I'll see you in the next episode.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Helping You Perform podcast. If you found value in this episode, please take a moment to like, share, or review the podcast. You can reach out to me at any time, either through LinkedIn or through my website at www.paulteasdale.co.uk. I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode.